folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Of Channel Massive. I'm Noah. I'm Mark. And I'm Scott. Yay! Southern, Southern Scott. Scott has joined us. Yay! Oh. Southern Scott! Scott. <laughs> it's true. Extra crispy. Yes. <laughs> Secret <laughs> recipe. <laughs> Secret recipe. I do so, love KFC. <laughs> I do too. I do too. And Popeyes. And I don't call it. It's. KFC is short. It's actually Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's made right. by made by real Kentuckians, or made out of real Kentuckians. Dang, Kentucky chickens. Yeah. You know, my grandma was from Kentucky, and she loved KFC. I don't well, know if there's a correlation or not. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> so for this week's episode, as promised last week, we are going to be talking about the Ouya... Console oh yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> been doing really well since the Kickstarter started off, started for it last week, uh, and that's what our main roundtable is going to be about. But before we get into that, we, as always, have a nice little intergetin. We're going to be telling you what we've been playing, have a little bit of general geekery, and since we are recording a little bit earlier than normal. This episode might be coming out a little earlier than usual, and it, and that's just to accommodate that this is a, a few days ahead of schedule. Because yes. Scott and Mark are, are very busy men with very busy things to do. Busy, manly lives. Yes, out we of, are. Out of busy, state. manly things. Busy <laughs> growing my chest hair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on my back hair. <laughs> well, that's just sick. Right. <laughs> Hey, beauty has its own, you know, standard, I suppose. I, I don't know. I I thought, why if I can't do it in the front, why not do it in the back? It's kind of like okay, a mullet. Kind of like <laughs> full body mullet. <laughs> <laughs> now that all the ladies are excited, we can move on. <laughs> With that evocative imagery. Oh. Oh. So as we are recording this show, the Steam sale continues. That's sort of <laughs> sweet. Yeah. The death march. How many lives will it destroy? <laughs> <laughs> How many hundreds of games will Mark acquire? Um, I am already down $150. I can tell you that. Wow, that's a lot of games in the Steam sale. It was... I got all the Assassin's Creed's... Um, I'm trying to log into Steam now so I can be disgusted with myself. This is like the day after kind of thing, you know? Where yeah, you're I, I, really, yeah I really don't want to... I had I had stared away from the Steam sale, even though people had said, you need to go check it out, because I just don't need anything else. But It was yeah. like basically uh, every uh, every just, damn game we talked about on the last podcast, I went out and bought like the... the uh, 
the, the, you know, the Walking Dead and Assassin's Creed and all this stuff. The only one I didn't get, the only one I didn't get was the one by the Super Meat Boy people. What was that one called? Um, Binding of Isaac. Binding of Isaac. I was like, I can resist this one, which cost almost nothing, right? The next day, I log in, and Eric has bought it for me. <laughs> so yeah. I, yep. I failed utterly. <laughs> I was like, oh, next podcast is going to be even more expensive. Thursday well, night and some like, I don't even know if I'm interested in Dear Esther, but, you know, it's only $2.50. Apparently, it's a really revolutionary that. adventure game. Yeah, it's just, it's bad. So, there's, always a, there's always a good reason. It's either the price, or there's something that you heard once, or you read once that says, ah, why not? It's the damn bundles that kill me. They just, they are. just scream. I've purchased a couple of those, and I've regretted it because I've hardly played any of the games in the bundles. I, I know, I know. I'm trying know. to scare off the bundles now. God and damn it. I just bought oh, Dear Esther. Damn you. <laughs> this is becoming a problem. And it's apparently like a- Electronic Arts also thinks it's a problem. Electronic Arts has its own online store service called Origin. They just decided they were going to go up against Steam for who knows what reason. And... Surprise, surprise, last month, Electronic Arts' David DiMartini said oh. he, he had a lot of anger and criticism about Steam's bi, biannual? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or semi-annual. So. Semi-annual. Quasi-annual? Because it's, it's twice a year. It's in, it's in July and December. Yes, semi would be good. The giant software sales, according to David DiMartini, says that he, he said that those sales quote cheapens intellectual property that game workers that game makers work very hard to make. Oh man. Whatever. Except we would like to be doing the exact same thing that um Valve is doing. They just kinda of beat us to the punch. We all said they were crazy. And it turns out they were just ahead of their time and we wish we could do the same cheapening, but uh no one takes us seriously. Have, that was um, my paraphrasing. I know neither of y'all have played it. Have y'all, I mean, like the number eight on their best sellers for the summer sale, mm-hmm. Arma 2, you know, the whole the whole mod, the zombie mod for it. And you know, I read something last week that, that generated $8 million or another $8 million in total revenue for God. for Bohemian just because. Armor, armor. Oh, I haven't even seen this one. I will resist it. I will not buy it. No. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, I mean, Arm, it's a true sim. It is not a loosey goosey shooter. That's why I've never played it. So. <laughs> well, Valve did actually make a response to that criticism by Valve's, putting everything it has on sale. <laughs> yeah. Holtman said at a, a developed conference over in Brighton, England, that the discounts are actually very beneficial and that they wouldn't continue to be having these sales if the developers and publishers weren't endorsing it, weren't supporting it, and if it wasn't, of course, making business sense for Valve, which, of course, it is. Uh, yeah. His defense, Mr. Holman's defense of the sale that went beyond that, was that these discounts usually serve a purpose of getting people interested in the games and developers that gamers may be hesitant to try out, but then once they do try it, they want to buy the next game or from the developer, whether it's a sequel or a new game at full yeah. price. Is that not true? I mean, I, can I we argue? Think it's true. I, I think that you run the risk of of the problem, though, that you've mentioned before, Mark, where 
you get a bunch of users. What is it that Amazon sold something really cheap, sells games cheap, and then oh yeah, battled with supporting millions of users that right. paid enough money to really pay the developers' bills. Right, right, yeah, that was that um, poor little company that made that game for the uh, Droid that was also selling in the Amazon store, and Amazon put it on like some crazy sale where it was like one cent or something like that, and all these people bought it and it destroyed their infrastructure, like totally overwhelmed them. But un- unlike most games where when you when you have that effect occur, you know it's a you're a victim of your own success. They were just playing a victim because because at one cent per player, there was no <laughs> there was no way to like you know subsidize their yeah. monthly internet bill or whatever you know co-location costs. So they were just swamped, and it and there was no recovering for that. You know, they got their name out there, but then they couldn't ever raise the price of the game with Amazon because of the way well, the And you know, like, um, I mean, Apple does the free app of the week, but if you'll notice, those are all very established mm-hmm. mobile houses that they're right. doing. They're not putting, it's not some no-name out there that, oh, you've never heard of this, here it is. You know, it's, it is a very established you know, somebody that's got a stable of games or a stable of applications within the marketplace to be able right. to support the infrastructure. And yeah. an alternative way to monetize it. That's true, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so Very I, savvy. If, mm-hmm. As a consumer, I'm totally okay with the sales. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, fine. Totally fine. The, but like, like we've been talking about with Mark, that you do have to be... It's hard to control impulse purchases during these sales, but who knows? You may get a game that you really, really like. I've certainly found games that way before. That's like, ah, uh, the graphics look cool, or it's this certain type of genre. I'll try it. Why not? And it's like, wow, this is actually really good, and tunes me into that developer, that intellectual property, which has not been cheapened. It's been emboldened in my own mind. I think it can work out okay. As long as the developers, publishers support. I mean, you would think that Steam doesn't just arbitrarily say this game we're going to sell for twenty five cents. Surely they're they're not putting they're not putting a game on the marketplace for two dollars that is being sold by the publisher for fifty. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's several years. Yeah. It's it's either a bundle or it's several years gone by. It's where oh people finally heard about Assassin's Creed and they're kind of interested but they don't really want to invest in the $59 so hey right. for 20 bucks I'll play the whole pack yeah. and then maybe that'll interest me in this brand new game maybe it won't that that's what you know happened with me was I I I keep hearing it's you know good I've never had it I've never bought any of the Assassin's Creed game Assassin's Creed games and I've always been curious about it and the commercials are certainly cool and, uh, you know, I was like, you know, I'd really like to try that out. And so I bought the bundle, but, it, you know, it doesn't come with the latest one that's going to release, but it does give me everything to play the backstory. And son of a gun, I'm, I'm playing Assassin's Creed 1 and liking it. So, Well, and the other, the other piece is like um, Bethesda and Elder Scrolls, you know, Skyrim. Well, if right. they put Skyrim on sale for 29 bucks, and somebody goes, oh, you know what, I wouldn't want to play that, but I can't, I'm not going to pay $60. Well, first they get the thirty from that, but then they also make them a potential DLC customer. Exactly. So that's how we feel about the Steam sale. We enjoy it. We take advantage of it. And Hosting. We exploit it. EA can boast inexplicably that it has 
what is it, I think 11 million users and Steam has 40. And I think the reason Origin has so many is I believe there's a lot of, you need to log in and make an Origin account if you want to play multiplayer on this EA game. Yeah, all their more oh, popular yeah. oh, games. Yeah. It's required. So it's a it's a it's a trick of uh marketing to say that. I won't say oh. a bold faced lie, but it's definitely deceiving. And yeah, don't I don't think, think that EA is getting is not taking the money Steam gets for those you know, Mass Effect yeah. one and two bundles up there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure exactly. they're like I'm sure EA is like well, you know, you know, we will we will not accept that money because yeah. we ethically find that offensive. Exactly. Yeah. You don't hear about that one. Nope. So that's how we feel about it, listeners. As with any of our stories, <laughs> I'm trying to slightly have an opinion on the subject. <laughs> yeah. As with any of the things that we talk about, feel free to share your own thoughts and comments on it by sending those into mail. M-A-I-L. Channelmassive.com, and I'm saying that early, and I'm going to say it again later on. We're not done with the intricate, and we're going to continue forward. I just wanted to have a little clean break so we could relax from our, our steam situation. Our steam angst. <laughs> yes. Our steam bath. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about something else that the three of us have done together that we really enjoyed, and we hope this story may come true. Apparently... The, the organizers of Penny Arcade Expo are yet again considering opening a third show. Wow. Not on the east or the west coast, but in good old middle America in Austin, Texas. Which is probably the coolest Hallelujah. place to go. Yeah, I am. All three of us are really excited about this because I believe it's closest for all of us. It oh, is yeah. closest for all of us, yes. I mean, I would lo I love Seattle. I would love to go again. I, I'm certainly entertaining the thought of going to Boston for PAX East. But if there were one in Austin, that would be great. And th this is the first time that we've been teased about this. They've, the organizers have researched other locations before. They've looked at international locations. They have looked at Austin. And Austin already has at least two other big conventions there. They have GDC and something else that's slipping my mind. Maybe mobile or something Yeah, like but G GDC is, is, you know, I mean, what, maybe 5,000 people? Yeah, that's the other question is the whole size thing. Is their facility large enough to handle 80,000 people like Seattle did last year? Yeah, oh, see, I'm, right. I would want them to do Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm sure there's enough room there. Or Houston, if we're going to go into Texas. Let's go someplace big enough to support the infrastructure. Yeah. But, hey, I'll take I'll take an extra PAX anywhere they'll put it. I'm, I'm psyched for Austin. I just hear it's a cool, cool city. Me too, and there's a lot of game developers that yeah. are located there. Which is probably why that's yeah. of such interest. Yeah, I also just wonder if there's a, a saturation point where major publishers or developers say, oh my goodness, we already go to the Comic Cons, we go to E3, we go to both PAXs, we do stuff overseas. This may be one more than we can handle. I certainly hope not. Well, I think... I think you're still kind of getting some of the, you know, that's a whole subgenre, this whole convention thing and, and all of this. And it is, I do think it's an influencer in the industry, just all the conventions in general, the buzz that's created and everything else. But the thing is, I mean, E3 used to be the mother of all conventions for video games. And when yeah. they kind of took the public out of it, the vacuum was filled by the Penny Arcade Expo because before it wasn't that, you know, I mean, yeah, it was a convention, but it wasn't this this thing that everybody's gravitating to. 
And right. I mean, no, I mean, even Seattle was, I mean, it was crazy the number of people there and it was run very well. It was, it really was. And something that I thought was funny, I didn't even realize because I don't check escapist magazine all the time, but the other night I was like, I want to watch something while I eat dinner, so I'm going to watch Zero Punctuation Reviews because those, those are very entertaining to me. And they have their own expo. Escapist is going to have an expo in North Carolina a couple weeks after PAX in Seattle and Dragon Con in Atlanta. And it, it, that one just seems kind of weird to me. It's like, all right, well, we're a fancy website too. We're going to have our own expo and we're going to have a few panelists. So uh, I wonder if there will be a saturation from that perspective, how many more people are going to try to throw some expos out there? I mean, even Denver had its own Comic-Con in the last month, which kind of surprised me. It was the first one of its kind. So, hey, if, if these things are closer to us, I think that's great. But not if there's, like, nothing there to see. Yeah, good point there. Yeah, well, I, I do think that Penny Arcade Expo can uh, can draw. I mean, they are, they kind of are becoming the you know, the one convention where the player base can see what new things are coming out and get exposed to developers. I mean, E3 sort of pulled away. GDC, of course, is, is you know, just for developers. So, mm-hmm. you know, really PAX has kind of become that central focus. What do you think the timing would be? Because let's see, I, I, I remember them reading one at one point that they wanted to have the expos equidistant from each other in terms of timing. So where would that put it? Would it put it like in the middle, like December, January? Mm, or maybe maybe early on, cooler, you know, maybe February. I mean, it's Austin. It's not like it's terribly cold there. That's true. That would be cool. Uh, so we can dream. We're, we'll, we'll hope for that. And if not, you know, we can always try going to another one. Yeah. It does sound really cool, though. Something else we've talked about a couple of times previously on the show is the first machine in the next generation console wars that's coming out later this year. It's Wii U. And Michael Pachter, who was a huge critic of the original Wii, has decided to just put his cards out on the table now and has bluntly said Wii U is, quote, not going to work. Oh, my. Really? He's a completely cynical and down on the system succeeding, he said, quote, I don't get it. I think that essentially this is a solution in search of a problem. I mean, somebody had an idea, let's make the controller a tablet, and there aren't many games that are going to take advantage of that. And he believes, he's never been told this, but he believes that the big publishers refuse to support Wii U unless Nintendo also made a traditional controller to launch aside the machine. And so when it was brought up to him, in an in Edge Magazine interview, well, remember, you said the same kind of stuff about Wii, that Wii was going to suck. <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, that works. They got lucky. But I don't think they're going to get lucky with Wii U. I don't think they suck. I just think they really believe that if we're still novel, everything we do will work. This isn't well, going to work. Hardcore gamers will buy them. Hardcore Nintendo fanboys will buy it. They could put out a piece of cardboard and say that they'll play Mario, and they'll buy it. Well, and... Which is not true, his, by the way. His theory, his theory is flawed in a little bit. And yes, some of the larger Western, very PC-centric, Xbox-centric, first-person shooter developers, EA, that kind of thing, 
yeah, it may not have their straight logo, and it may not be their flagship where they stick all of their products. But Nintendo doesn't need that either. No. Nintendo so will say, time. you know what, you have a you have a bevy of production houses under your umbrella. You know, you've got some smart people there. Throw them in, you know. They don't have to be made by the, the Activision Blizzards of the world to be successful games. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's what, I mean, he, he is basically saying, that's who he's critiquing, in a sense. He's saying, yes, they will try to drive Nintendo. But, I mean, Nintendo's always had... Slightly underpowered systems versus the competition comes out early and is really innovative. That's their stick. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. So, if they came out with a, you know, a Wii, you know, Mark II, well, what's it going to do? I mean, yeah. you you got to come up with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I mean I I don't know. I've I've heard people bet against Nintendo in the past and. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, not everything they come out with is is just gold. Look at the Vitality sensor, for goodness sakes. But yeah. You know you want one. <sighs> I can put my hand over my heart and tell how fast it's beating. So. <laughs> yeah, don't, need, don't need that. <laughs> but I think in this case, he is he is mistaken. Are you going to get a Wii U? I will not, just because, you know, my uh, demographic in my house is getting out of the Wii uh-huh. <laughs> Range. Yes, I'm a PC gamer, so and I like my Xbox, but I definitely play PC games way more than I play the Xbox. So yeah, yeah. So speaking of PC games and console games in general, we've also talked about Activision Blizzard's 61% owner, Vivendi Universal. The cut that the owner of that share has been trying to sell that whole huge chunk of Activision Blizzard to whoever could potentially be interested and afford it to include folks like Microsoft. And apparently, according to quote-unquote sources, Hmm? that sale, uh, the spiel to sell that chunk of the company is not being embraced. (laughs) Imagine my shock. Well, I mean, I mean, think about that. I mean, it's like, you know, it's got a. It, it's not like he's selling it at, at a fire sale. No, because he can. I mean, he can point to revenue that it generates. So, I mean, it's, you know, it isn't. It's it's making a profit, but, you know, is it making enough profit for what they're going to have to invest in it? And a lot of people may be going, you know what, World of Warcraft's starting to get long in the tooth. Sooner or later, numbers start to, will have to drop. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I don't think anybody's saying, oh, you know, World of Warcraft have not, hasn't seen its best days yet. Oh, come on, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Now with pandas around the corner. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have the Disney tie-in, so... But apparently Vivendi has shopped it to Disney, Microsoft, Tencent in China, Nexon in Japan. Nobody's really interested in it. But it would be very surprising to see one of those big companies take over it. If not, it, those shares will just be sold on the open market and go to whoever they own, whoever they are. I wonder what this says about Titan. 
Isn't yeah. that their unnamed MMO that's being yeah. developed? Mm-hmm. Unnamed, hmm. named MMO. That is a good point. Are they? Are is the you know is Activision Blizzard, especially after seeing Bioware mm-hmm. go through what it went through with EA and everything else, is like, are we willing to put the money to get this where it needs to be to put our name on it? Right. Or do we want to find an investor that can infuse a bunch of new money into the company? <laughs> well, um, of course they want to. Well, sure. But will they? Uh, yeah. uh. I don't know. Everything must go. It's a fire sale. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, there was one highlight for Activision over the weekend. One of the more interesting surprises to come out of Comic-Con was that a Deadpool game is in the works. It will be published by Activision. It's being developed by High Moon Studios, who worked on the last two Transformers games, I think Fall of Cybertron and War for Cybertron. Oh, yeah. I know Eric loved those. And the the reaction's been kind of mixed. I thought the trailer was pretty cool. I've never read the comic. I know that Deadpool's supposed to break the fourth wall and is really juvenile and stuff like that. And the trailer kind of sold me on that concept. I thought it was pretty funny. Some people were like, oh, frickin' Nolan North, who seems to do the voices of every male character in video games lately. Nah. They're not really happy with him <laughs> doing no voices. And some people kind of complained just in some of the comments that I read, they complained about the game. Oh, it looks boring. Oh, it's Activision. It's going to be ruined. It's like, come on. It's yeah. good to have a big, big money developer and publisher behind this game. And I think it looks like it could be fun. I'm going to keep an eye out for it. Are you guys interested in Deadpool, the franchise, or the video game? Not particularly. I'm, I'm concerned because there's supposed to be a Deadpool movie coming out. Oh, yeah, 2014 is what I read about that. So I'm thinking, oh, thanks, a movie tie-in game. Appreciate it. And something interesting about the trailer With was With your that McDonald's cup, too. <laughs> The trailer looked like it all, it could almost be next-gen hardware graphics, and there were no console logos shown at the end of the trailer, which maybe this could be getting uh, – it's, it's being slated for next-gen consoles. Uh, with some it doesn't nice grab me as a, you know, a flagship you know, title for the next-gen console. Maybe something coming yeah, out at the time it does. Yeah. I'm just I'm just scared it's a movie tying game. I like Deadpool, but... That actually happened with the the Wolverine Origins, or X-Men Origins Wolverine game. It started out it was going to be a standalone Wolverine game that actually sounded a lot cooler before it was bastardized into an adaption of the movie and became completely incoherent and stupid. In spite of really great gameplay, so how did you really think about it, Noah? <laughs> it has really well, it has really good gameplay, and the graphics were good. But when they try to put in some really crappy elements from the movie's bad story, it just kind of took it down a notch. But yeah, I, I can understand your hesitance, though, Scott, because of that experience that I've had firsthand with another Activision-published superhero game. Listeners, let us know what you think about any of these stories, the Steam sale, whether you're a fan of Wii U or PAX being in a different location or Deadpool. Send in your thoughts to mail. M-A-I-O. M-A-I-O. <laughs> There's an echo in here at channelmassive.com. 
<laughs> Up next, we're going to get into what we're playing. Scott, what have you been playing? Well, let's see. I have uh, I've been through the first go-around on Diablo on uh, my monk and the warrior. Um, wow. Nice. Still still plugging away with the um the next, you know, the what is it, nightmare hell level, whatever it is, second level. Um it's tough because I'm a story guy, so while it's fun and oh, you know, I mean the mechanics itself are not bad. Um you know, it's the same story, so Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know who Diablo is, so, you know, there's no suspense, and I'm not going to say the story was great, but at least it, you know, it, it kept me going a little bit in the, the first go-around. Um, I am still still playing Star Wars, and, and probably will for at least a little while, um, even though I'm I'm sorely interested in uh, in Secret World, I'm I, uh, really, really itching to dive in there, but... I think I may hold off. So wait I'm surprised. For... I thought you were all about Secret World. I am. I really am. But I'm no. I can't pay for two subscriptions at once. And if oh, I, yeah. it is one of the things where if I if I jump ship from Star Wars now to go play Secret World, unless it totally sucked, which apparently it does not, I probably wouldn't come back and finish the story missions that I really want to do because I mm-hmm. like Bioware story games. So. I'm, I want to play through a couple more, and I mean, I'm I'm at the point now I can I can zip through some content in Star Wars, so I can. What get have you played this. so far in Star Wars? Uh, everything but the Inquisitor. Wow, you've played all the character classes. Yeah, that's impressive. All you know, this, I, all light side or all dark side? All the light side. Um, the counselor, I stopped him at like 28 and said I'm never going to play that again um, the Guardian is somewhere around the same level I really hadn't and I haven't heard good things about either story um, so I want to finish the Trooper one off I've just got just probably two more two more levels till I get to the final of that then I'm, I'm the ones that are still interested in me I've got like a mid-30s Marauder I've been through mid-30s on the Bounty Hunter, both of those stories are great. The Smuggler story looks good. I'm at like 26 with my with uh, with my Smuggler, and I'm about the early 20s with my Imperial Agent. So if I can finish, go through those two four story quests just to play through the content, you know, the character story stuff. Um, and I'm kind of interested at least one time once the it's I think it's supposed to be in the next content patch the. Um, the release in HK fifty one. The <laughs> that's Ray. So I, and I want to play through that story mission because he was my favorite character in Old Republic. So um, you know I want to see how they implement him and and that kind of stuff. So that should be fun too. So after that, it's either going to be Secret World or if I still have time left, because see I can hold off on Guild Wars too because that's going to have that thing's going to have legs because it's a purchase and then it's free. After that, with microtransactions, so that thing. When well, you played the first Guild Wars a ton, didn't you? Yeah, three three and a half years. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, everything but the the last, the last content that they put in. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's going to interest me, but I, mean, I can pick that up at any time. But, you know, I usually only keep one subscription MMO going. So um, that's about it. Little World of, War, World of Tanks every once in a while. Um, I'm waiting for the Steam sale to come down so that, uh, I mean, Battlefield 3 is not going to come down because it's on Origin. Boo. But um, <laughs> may come Boo. down to $19.99, and when it does, I'll pick it up long enough. I think I'm kind of done with the whole first-person per- first shooter multiplayer stuff, but I still like the stories that are like Jerry Burkheimer films, so oh, it'll yeah. be fun to play through it, the single player, but I don't want to pay 60 bucks to play through it. And uh, I actually played a couple games of League of Legends. Wow. So, yeah, I've been... Even though I had a window about five days where I didn't play anything, it's I've been pretty busy. So, And... Uh, it, League of Legends was fun. I really, I really enjoyed my time back in there. Um, I didn't play Dominion. I just played the, you know, regular, uh, the crystal, you know, the. Uh, oh yeah, the normal. Regular five man. I can't remember the name of the map right now, but, um, you know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel compelled and and or, you know, I wasn't worried if I did well or didn't do well. I mean, I, I did pretty well in both of my matches, but. So I, you know, you know, still I, got it. <laughs> Playing champions, nobody touches. You know, I play against people they've never seen Malphite before, and they don't know what to do with him. <laughs> what is that thing? <laughs> or you know, who's this? You know, oh, the only people that they've ever seen Sivir played is you know level one, level two, <laughs> because That's it's right. <clears throat> right. You know, they have no idea what they're doing. They're like, wait a minute, she's critting me, and she's boomeranging me, and she's feeding herself with man. How is she, you know? So it's like, right? Yeah, I I did okay with my my last silver match was like like seven two and eleven. So I did our oh, wow. That's yeah, really good. good. So yeah, that's all I've been playing. Noah, hey. So for me, I've gotten back into some more PC gaming thanks to the Steam sale. I mentioned <laughs> games that I tried last week and I ended up playing through everything that I could in The Walking Dead so I finished the first and the second episodes and I am so impressed with that game. It is really, really good. That really is interesting to me. I've, I've thought about picking it up. You should while it's still on sale because I bought it. I'm like, oh, they won't discount it anymore and than it is right now, and sure enough, they did. <laughs> and now, it, it, currently, while we speak, it won't be this way, listeners, when you hear this episode. But it's forty percent off for the whole, all five episodes, which is a really good deal. And if I could have known that that was going to happen, so I, all five episodes is the fourteen ninety nine. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know what? While you're talking, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely recommend it. I heartily, heartily recommend it. It's it's. I, I really like the television show. I haven't seen all of season two, so I don't know if there are people out there like. I, I've certainly read plenty of comments on the internet that say the show's so boring. It's got awful pacing. The acting sucks. The writing sucks. And I didn't have nearly as many issues as those people did. I think it's great. But that said, I actually think I am liking the video game even more. Wow. There's and it's it's kind of a touch of the whole. Bioware experience that you guys were talking about earlier in that it's less of a traditional adventure game. I think there's maybe two puzzles, <laughs> maybe three out of both of those episodes. It's much more about 
conversation decisions and character morality mm-hmm. and how do you treat the little girl? Are you going to be really blunt with her? Are you going to try to keep her with hope? And she's just so well-written and so well-voice-acted. The main character is also really well done. And just the surrounding cast. You have to make lots of really tough decisions and that the game changes based on those decisions. And even the next time in The Walking Dead, that whole trailer that happens at the end of each episode is also, it, it shows scenes that are based on important decisions that you made. And then you get to see at the end of each episode five of the major decisions, how you voted, or what you decided compared to everybody else. And it's just it's so much fun and really gory and gross. <laughs> and there's just some really good tension moments. So, yeah, I, I'm incredibly impressed. And I'm still waiting, which is, this is probably what I should have done with Walking Dead, but I'm waiting to see if Jurassic Park will go on sale for any cheaper than it is because I also want to get that. And who knows if as great as Walking Dead is. Well, yeah, because we saw Jurassic Park at at PAX last year, and it looked pretty good. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. Uh, and apparently it, it sucked. The review said that it was really bad. But <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to take a leap of faith. And I know that the Back to the Future games are apparently good as well, so maybe I'll get those too. Because when I bought the Telltale pack, those games weren't all out a couple years ago. <laughs> no. Beyond that, I also was gifted Binding of Isaac, and I played through it for, I don't know, 45 minutes, I think, and definitely had to start over and over and over because you can die really easily in that game. It's very much like old-school Zelda, old-school Atari games, top-down, dungeon-crawling, shooting, finding items game with randomly generated dungeons, and it's really, really dark, and I can definitely see why Nintendo abruptly decided, you know, we're not going to have this. Uh, <laughs> too powerful. Incredibly offensive, depending on your sensibilities. Uh, just a lot of the stuff that's in there, and I won't really say more than that. It was pretty fun, but after playing Walking Dead and then playing Binding Isaac, I'm like, wow, this is really depressing. I'm going to play You Don't Know Jack, the new one. And it's just as great as it was in the 90s. I really wish that it was as popular as it was then so that more and more of these games would continue to be made because they're so entrenched in pop culture that the trivia and the references are so of the now, the jokes are so of the now. And I know that if I come back to it 10 years from now, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that was kind of a hot news item 10 years ago. But it's it's just so well done. The graphic design, the voice acting, it's like... I, I'm sh- have you guys played a You Don't Know Jack game? Um, oh, yeah, but it's been years. Yeah, same here. Yeah, it's. I, I believe it's just as charming and, and well done as it was in the past, and that it's all updated with new stuff, and potentially even more, just on the verge of being offensive, not as blatantly offensive as Finding of Isaac, makes it all the more fun. And then beyond that, I've got plans to get back to Mass Effect 3. I want to finish that now that I'm playing games again. Got oh, that's cool. a couple of games on my 3DS I need to play, and because I've loved Mass Effect so much, and I definitely have always intended to, I'm going to get into Dragon Age finally. Oh, good. I can't wait to talk to you about that. I love that game. Yeah, yeah. I'm, really I'm ready to talk about games. Mass Effect when you finish it all. <laughs> Which I will do first, so worry you not. I, I Hopefully I will do that by the time we go to Atlanta. Oh, that would be good. That would be good. Boy, that's coming up, guys. Really? Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah, only like... We're halfway through July, right? Five and a half, six weeks, something like that. Yeah. It's coming very soon. Pretty quick. 
So that's everything that I've got. Okay, while we were talking, I've purchased Dear Esther and <laughs> Walking Dead, so... <laughs> he can't stop himself. And the Walking Dead games, in case you're wondering, like, oh man, what type of time investment is this going to be? I would say in general that each episode takes about two hours. So it's like oh, a that's good. That's for fifteen bucks. That's that's well worth it. And in Dear Esther's, I'm thinking I may have a couple, three four hours in it for two fifty. That hard to beat that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. And it's indie, so yeah, yeah. Good times. Good times. Good times. So well, Mark, you've been playing. Um, mostly just the secret world with a little bit of uh, Assassin's Creed, and that's about it. And um, I'm enjoying both quite a bit. Uh, the secret world, you know, I started my character over, which I really didn't need to do, but it's kind of cool because there's just a lot I had missed the first time through that I'm picking up this time around, and um, I have a much better strategy for character development. So that's going pretty well. Are you playing then, the same uh, character class? Yeah, or? the exact same character, just with some slight tweaks, you know? Okay. Um, like I said, I didn't need to do it. It was really kind of just a weird kind of, like, um, excessive-compulsive disorder type thing that I re- <laughs> re-rolled the character. But, um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying the game, and I'm not quite as far as I was with the original, but... Um, Liking it quite a bit. So. I was curious if you'd caved to Eric's incessant demands that you make a dragon character. I made a dragon character and an Illuminati, but I I really have only been playing the the uh, Templar. Templar stuff, yeah, which is just it's way more interesting to me. So. Yeah, that's that's what's dragon. I mean, that's pulling me down. To, that's what I want, Templar. Yeah, they're they're just I don't know. There's just something cool about them. So. Liking that quite a bit, and that's been about it. I, I like Assassin's Creed. I had I had no idea how what the whole premise was for it. So I'm like, why am I in some kind of weird, you know, space age laboratory? No, no, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the fun part about it. How it like, ties in together. It's... Yeah, I did not expect that at all. So, um, are you playing with keyboard and mouse on that? Um, I was, and then I started to play with my Xbox 360 controller. I have a wired one. And then I went back to keyboard and mouse. (laughs) So I think I'm going to stick with keyboard and mouse. Right on. Well, it's good to hear that that game plays well because it's so action-based. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty darn cool. Uh, That's been about it, really. Not not a lot of... I've been doing a lot of music stuff on the side and not so much much with games this week, but... uh, And I probably won't... I won't get really into gaming because I'm going to be on the road for three days. So maybe I'll have a big weekend. We'll see. But, um, yeah, probably going to be next week before I get back into it. Well, as long as it's just a week and not a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did get um, UFC trainer for the Kinect for the Xbox 360. Man, that thing kicks your butt, I got to tell you. I, I, I am sore in ways I didn't know I could be sore. And I... <laughs> I definitely need, like, a, a softer mat to go on my basement floor to do the stuff on, like sit-ups and stuff, because the, the floor kills you. I didn't know that you had a Kinect. I didn't. I got it. I got a Kinect to get the game and maybe some other stuff, so... Did yeah. you just get it today? No, no. It was a week ago. Or oh, that's a shame, because it was on sale for $50 off at Best Buy today. Oh, I had no idea. 
Dang it. <laughs> it was one of their deals of the day. I'm now a believer in Best Buy's deals of the day, speaking of sales and deals and stuff like that, because I, I was able to get a Wii game that was kind of an underground sleeper hit. That Well, I guess it never really took off. People wanted it to be a sleeper hit, but they sold it for five bucks. And there have been some other really great deals. Which slaughter game was it, Noah? It was <laughs> not a player game. It was Sin and Punishment 2 Star Successor. Oh. Which is a kind of like a it's a Japanese rail shooter, very sci fi, very abstract and weird, but pretty cool. Hmm, that's kinda cool. But that wraps up our uh, what we've been playing segment, I think. Excellent. Yeah. Ready to move on. Time for the general geekery section and let's start with our special guest first. Scott, do you have any updates in the world of Geekery? Well, apparently I do. I just this weekend, which is a little behind the times, I went and saw Prometheus. Um, uh-huh. You know, Lee Scott, the whole the whole aliens stick, and uh, I, I'm of two minds in the movie. Um, I thought that the uh, have either of y'all seen it? Yes. yes. Okay. I thought that the story. With the dichotomy of the crew, with old guy who funded it, Charlie Theron's daughter, that whole thing, not bad, you know. With the you know the whole AI and he was creepy, like all really Scott AIs are creepy. So that that was kind of cool, and um, that wasn't bad. The whole oh, here's kind of a prequel origins possible story to aliens also not a bad idea in general the two mismatched together not so great mm-hmm. now the yeah. effects thing were great oh um, yeah yeah charlie's theron needs to learn to run horizontally <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really funny <laughs> well, i mean it's it's you know it's not rocket science. It's falling straight on me. Why don't I continue running a straight line in the direction where this ship is crashing? <laughs> like, Spoiler alert. She gets crushed well, by I a mean, giant space donut. Yes. She gets crushed by the... You know, there were a lot we'll of... bite out of it. <laughs> a lot of open-ended things. Um, I thought it was... I, while I appreciated that the captain pretty much gave away in two sentences what the premise of what the aliens were doing, and probably the most logical explanation... And at the same time, it, it, I kind of wish they had gone into much more detail as to what the heck was going on. Yeah. Apparently, it could be the start of a new trilogy. No, I certainly hope not. Trilogies don't. Because trilogies don't tend to get better. No. Right? No. We can have... I mean, you except know. for Lord of the Rings. Right. Well, that was because it was a book adaptation. Yeah, the whole thing was already thought out. There was no mysteries, no, how do we stop yeah. this? It was just, all right. You know, I mean, if you think about it, even, you know, as the Harry Potter stuff, I mean, that was a whole set of movies that did okay because they had a structure to go against. So Yeah. You know, it's just as soon as you throw, you know, for for every eight set of movies that you have for for Harry Potter, of all things, you have the mismatch that is the Matrix. So, mm-hmm. that's a great example of a trilogy that did not improve. 
I mean, it just went into the toilet. Yeah. Oh, let's let's start with your mean. Terminator. Yeah. Yes. Aliens. Alien Three was not that great. Oh yes. No, the best the best thing they did to aliens is put them in a shoot 'em up with the Predator. However, the third Jurassic Park was better than the second Jurassic Park. Only because the CG got better. Well, the raptors with the little quill, porcupine quill mohawks, that was stupid. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. Mark, have you had anything going on in your corner of the world? In my, geek, my geeky field. corner? Oh. What was that? Um, Star Wars. The third one. Or the sixth, fourth, fifth, and sixth one, whichever one you want to talk <laughs> Yeah. Um I I did realize that I don't I so I bought a Mac and I'm I've been I talked about that a little bit last time, but I just realized how much how interesting it is that I like like Apple products, but I really don't like the Apple store at all. Like when you go there in person. Like I feel awfully pretentious. pretentious. Yeah, it's it is just the height of that and it's like with the little T shirts and the way they do everything differently and it's like you know, it's very Stepford Wise. Yeah, I just feel <laughs> icky. I've been I've been there like I've been there three times now in my life, and I don't think I ever want to go again. And if if you're an Apple employee and you're hearing this and you're devastated, you know we would love to hear your take on why you have to act like you've drank like a massive amount of Kool Aid and are just and like is there are there some kind of opiates in the in the in the snack room or something because. <sighs> The people just don't seem to be normal. Like, they have this kind of glazed kind of... I don't know. I feel it's, like it's that and just the whole genius bar metaphor thing. Yeah. It's like, not only are the employees creepy, but it's like you're always assumed to not know what the hell's going on. Right. And that they have to be there to explain it to you. You always have to take your hardware in to get stuff fixed or, or change batteries or something like that or... It's just like this stuff is far too mystical for you to understand. So right. go sit in the back with the people that know how to use computers because you're not going to be able to figure it out. It just it feels really – it's like Pandering. patronizing and culty yes. at the same time. Yeah. And so, I mean, I know that's a stretch for geek trivia. Well, or, that's a stereotype, you know, for PC people too, of course. <laughs> yeah. Move. And Mark, you totally know. related. I just got the new iPad. Oh, what do you think? Um, well, I upgraded from the one to the three. Oh, so that's a big that's jump. A, that's Quantum a big leap. jump. Yes, quite a bit more peppy, and the screen is quite a bit nicer. I will say that. Um, personal favorite, the the thing that I've liked the most though is it's 4G Verizon, and I can use it as a mobile hotspot, which I just oh, that's sweet. It is sweet. Yeah, sweet, sweet Apple love. No, that's that's quite cool. Well, I just went from a. Uh, a Dell Inspiron 9400 to a Mac, and boy, is there a difference. <laughs> I've got to tell you. Can't say can't say much more, but solid-state hard drives are pretty damn cool. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, they're good in PCs, too. Yeah, I've read some comparisons, and, I mean, there's, like, regular hard drives are pretty cool. 7200 p.m. consumer-grade, you know, hard drives are even cooler those hybrid ones that have like a large amount of cash, like you know, eight gigs of cash or sixteen or whatever, 
those do well, and then the solid state ones are just off the charts. I think it's a great idea for getting extra life out of an older system. Yes, well, I mean, you know, our our firm is fairly cutting edge, so pretty much everything has a solid state drive in it. So, oh, nice, lucky. Yes, Results. you will you will you will see the Maserati of all business laptops when we when we go to Prax. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Is it a PC or a Mac or what is it? It is a PC. It's HP Elite Book. Has a good gigabyte three D card in it. Eight gigs of RAM, sixty four bit solid state drive. Good times. Nice. Yes. Very nice. It may perhaps have a game possibly loaded on it for just a little <gasps> we, while. We, we won't tell anyone about that, though. <laughs> just a while. Purely for testing purposes, you know, I'm putting so, the hardware through the rigors. It's for your endpoint in, in, in management control to yes, make sure people can install in, the game. Ensure, <laughs> it has a 3D card to ensure that video conferencing runs like butter. I mean, yeah. Totally understand. But yeah, that's that's my that's my uh, that's my contribution for tonight. Right on. Don't don't like the Apple Store. I, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it's been <laughs> successful. Have you been conversely? Have you been to a Microsoft store yet? No, I didn't know such things existed. Yeah, there's one in Park Meadows. Really, a Microsoft store. Yeah, they yeah. basically tried to reproduce the Apple formula, but it's Microsoft. Let me see. Based in Birmingham, Alabama, where would I go to a, a Microsoft store? Yeah. <laughs> Probably Atlanta. <laughs> well, yeah. Walmart has Microsoft products. They do. <laughs> no, this is a real Microsoft store. They even have colored T-shirts. Just like oh, Apple. really? Just Are, are they blue? Yeah. No, there are um, sorts of colors. They don't oh, wear the same color. Oh, oh, don't. Hey, once once Windows 8 comes out, they will be just as look. We are just as pretentious and cool as Apple is. Well, that's really funny. You know, with the Surface tab, you know, Steve Wozniak was heard saying that um, uh, Jobs died and was resurrected at Microsoft, right? Because <laughs> it's you know stylish and it's art meets engineering and everything, or it's supposed to be, and. Uh, you know, I thought that was an, an interesting statement, but now, now we'll see. You know, with Microsoft stores, and will will the thing come in a strange little container that makes you feel like you're looking at a plate of sushi when you open it? Though that's, that's the question. <laughs> one one can only hope. Yes, with little Definitely plastic tabs to help you lift the product out. I'm totally in analysis paralysis with tablets because before this year started, I thought I'm going to get an iPad. And all based on your experience with me, right, Noah? Uh, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should wait to see the Surface tablet before you. Well, that well, truthfully, exactly. you really were you were really pretty cool on tablets in general until I brought mine to PAX, and you're like, "Wow, you really use that?" And it's like, "Yeah." Well, and also having acquired a smartphone finally this year, yeah. I can also <laughs> see that I would love to have a larger screen with the same functionality. <laughs> Well, you know, we we're only like, you know, an eighth through the 21st century, and you finally got <laughs> a smartphone. I, I'm next, on schedule. I'm still on schedule on my, ta- my acquisition schedule. And next year you'll relinquish your horse and buggy and move to <laughs> some kind of vehicle with a combustion engine, right? <laughs> Be like, look at that. Is, it's like, iPad looks really cool. I know that it's great. 
but then the surface looks really sweet. There could be a small form factor iPad revealed here in the next few months. The new Asus, oh, I hate that pronunciation. Uh, I forgot what it's called. Is it Galaxy Tab? They have a new oh. model of that. Come, or it's a new oh, no, transformer. The transformer. The transformer is pretty slick. Transformer. Yeah, there's a new one of those that's coming Ex- out. Well, and especially if you if you really want a keyboard, because they're you know they have that uh, the attachment. Exactly. Piece yeah, that's like a case and. And an extra battery, so it gets like crazy twelve hour battery life. It is, it's pretty so slick. Cool, and I, I feel there's pros and cons to all of them. Pros with the iPad that I finally get some experience with an Apple product. <laughs> 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 and they've got such a huge store, and there's some stuff that's exclusive to iTunes that's that's not available on Android. And then on the Droid side, you've got the great Google Play Store that's got lots of good stuff, and I'm already familiar with Android, and I really like it. And then Microsoft just has a really cool design, and I'd like to see them provide a, a nice form of competition, but their store sucks. And Apple's interface is weird. And the Android tablets change so much, and the freaking operating system updates so often. It's like, well, I'd be happy with it six months on the line. So there's pros and cons to it. Who knows? So now I'm just going to wait and continue waiting. So maybe I'll, it'll be another three years. <laughs> well, don't, don't <laughs> get to come through like four more tablets before I choose one. Exit, sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring the, the fourth generation with my hover boots so that. <laughs> 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 I can visualize that. It's funny. It's a tablet and a hoverboard. It's a hablet. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool, actually. And I'll, I'll just throw my hablet on over to you. Catch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's. I you know I we were talking today about um, titles and I was uh, trying to say that like on calls I always want to add value making fun of something one of my, my boss had mentioned about people that really shouldn't say anything on a conference call, but they do because they have a zombie-like single-minded focus, which is must add value. <laughs> and so um, Bob, who's also an architect where I work, we were both like, we're value-added architects. We're varchitects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't know. It was funny at the time, but... That's that's my goal, adding value one day at a time. You just added a whole bunch, Mark. I know, I know. <laughs> I'll continue to do so by shutting up and moving on to the next segment. Oh, wait, I'm not done. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. Uh, so I, I do have a couple items for General Geekery. I went for the second time to the Renaissance Festival, the second time this summer to the Renaissance Festival, in costume. And I kind of regret it because it was a little hot. Get a little tight this year? No, no. It was my giant leather Jerkin? vest thing and <laughs> greaves and boots. and. I think it is called a jerkin. Yeah, I think yeah, it is I called a jerkin. It's called yeah. a jerkin, to jerkin. To, to, to confirm it. But it was, I was like totally soaking with sweat after like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, this is really unpleasant. <laughs> I am stuck in this costume for the rest of the day. I better... Did the, uh, did the, uh, the greeting winches stop greeting you after you were soaking in sweat? Or were they Are you more... kidding me? They're all like that. Oh. All the RenFest employees are in the same situation because they're wearing the same kind of clothes. No, I might suggest you bring your 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 leather jerk into Atlanta at Labor Day if you want to think no. something's hot. No, no, 
I already know. I know I die outside in like five minutes. I lived in North Carolina. I lived in Georgia. I don't need to remember how bad the humidity is. (laughs) It's unpleasant. I mean, when we had humidity here just the other week, which is really strange after being so dry, it wasn't pleasant. And I know that wasn't even hardly as bad as it was out east and south. But anyways, that said, RenFest is always cool. And I'm actually going again. (laughs) This will be the most time I've gone to the Renaissance Festival and one summer, I believe. Yeah. It's just wow. been with different groups of people, and they hear that I dress up. You could dress as a moor, and then you could wear, like, these light, airy robes. I could, or I'll just go in regular clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you be uh, wear regular clothes, please? Yeah. Though there was this dude, or, or woman, I'm not sure, in a minotaur costume that I think was nine feet tall. Oh, I've heard of that. Like, you Did the you minotaur wear, uh, costume have boobs? You wear you wear oh, um you wear uh, drywall stilts to uh to do that. Yeah, it was it was super impressive. I got a picture of it. I'll have to post it at some point. But to be next to something that much taller than me was pretty impressive, and that there was a real person inside of it. Yeah, that's for hours cool. in that heat. So they had a way worse. Wow. But it was impressive. He kind of looked like a tauren, but it was a minotaur. I don't know something. That's pretty awesome, really. Unless it was real, in which case, you know, there might be an interdimensional gateway open in Larkspur, Colorado. Am I, am, am I the only one that should mention that I don't think there were minotaurs in the Renaissance? Oh, these, this is a quasi... This is a <laughs> core, uh, I mean, shoot, they have pirates there and gypsies and... I went as a, you know, 21st century office worker. Uh-huh, it was exciting. <laughs> yeah, that was quite. Ex- it was. I brought my People desk. Asking to have pictures with you. <laughs> yeah, I had like a. I had a slutty uh, assistant. Uh, office assistant. It's quite nice. Always. Well, last update is that I'm truly descending into Dungeons and Dragons geekness, and that I've been invited to do another campaign simultaneously. The other one that I'm doing. Now, do these people know about your penchant for totally fucking up, or? <laughs> No, I haven't mentioned that. Oh, that's, that's, that's probably I'd good. I'd like to uh, wreak havoc and, and make things interesting. <laughs> Cause in your office. Well, actually, that's my I, lo- I love that. I make things interesting. Because <laughs> <laughs> these folks sound like they could be pretty serious. I don't know. Or they or they may not, and it'll be totally fun. I haven't met any of them, so this is like a total, a totally Ooh. way of playing. Yeah, playing with people I've never met before, which could be really, they really cool you- or really scary. They- they take you downstairs, and there's, like, a big, like, well in the basement, and there's, like, a barking dog at the bottom. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Put it back in the basket. Put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But they'll be even more regular than my other D&Ds, uh, which Could were, you like... please rub that on your back? I need that stretch of skin very supple. Or <laughs> once every two months, whereas this one's going to be... Bi-weekly, every two weeks. Damn. Six hours. So it, maybe it'll be contained, and it'll, it'll only take a couple months. I'm not sure. But we're going to be playing Changeling, which is a white of darkness. Ooh, that sounds really cool. You know, after it's your last... Fairies it's... and fae, except th- in this case, they're super psychotic and evil, and they torture humans. They kidnap them from the real world to be slaves of some sort and they replace you with a doppelganger takes your place in the world and then they just torture you and torture you until you die 
uh, or you survive and somehow manage to escape this twisted world, totally corrupt, insane, or apathetic, or whatnot, potentially with some extra powers from being in the world of the Fae. And so that's, in a nutshell, what it's about. It sounds very dark and uh, serious, but it could be really cool. So I'll let you know how that yeah. goes in addition to my continuing adventures. As the Warlord, uh, both of those games, I'm going to participate in the same weekend. I have one on Saturday and one on Sunday, and I'm really oh my excited about God. my original one in that I get to play as the thief again, who I totally... He, he is he is totally just devolving <laughs> into... Yeah. <laughs> he is going in the pit, and we will have to send the bucket to him. So. Let's... <laughs> Let's let's prepare for the uh, yeah. It rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. But uh, let's let's it, prepare for a uh, intervention. No, it, it's sad that we're going to take you to Dragon Con. Yes. To, to make your life a little less in geek culture. <laughs> we'll we'll just like have him kind of lead the parade, you know? Exactly. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. Dungeons and Dragons is really cool. It is cool. It's creative. It's really. It's a great chance to be creative, which is why I want to do our version of D&D at Dragon Con. <laughs> that will be an interesting challenge. We're, yes, we're very snarky. That would be the problem. So. If we could do it with a straight face, especially when I say, I don't understand your fourth edition rules, but my first edition player's handbook still is quite good. <laughs> I will just make it work. I'm playing a magic user who has studied the ancient texts, and this yeah. spell was available in, in exactly. <laughs> I want to use this spell in the second age, better known as advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Bigsby's grasping hand is the greatest spell of all time. I will not have it removed from my, my library. My personal favorite is I just want to buy a deck of many things, and I just use it all the time. Right, whatever right. I pull out of the deck of the many things is that's what I'll use. This bag of holding. I've managed to clone 500 times and put each of those in another bag of holding. Yes. So a bag of holding the size of a hot air balloon. Right. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, listeners, can you tell we'll be great? Dungeons yeah, well, Dragons players. <laughs> this is my, my plus 200 sort of Vorpal slang. Don't fuck with it. <laughs> I got it from a previous campaign. It's completely legitimate. I had the Dungeon Master sign my character sheet right here. You can see clearly. It's fully endorsed. <laughs> I just like, if you have any d and carry around a helmet of alignment change and just throw it on all the evil villains. Right. Now you'll see things my way, biatch. <laughs> I'm a level 30 demon. No, you're not. You're a level 1 peasant. You're a princess. And you will be a pretty princess if you do what I require. <laughs> okay. Wow. So listeners, let us know if you have any D&D stories, any suggestions of your own for Dragon Con of what we should do there. Renaissance Festival or Fair stories, impressions on other movies, Spider-Man, Prometheus, whatnot. Yes, we'd like to hear. Yeah. And for our final roundtable discussion tonight, you know, I've I assumed the three of us alone and not having an epic podcast, we would, you know, this would be very succinct, but apparently not. So we are going going to um, discuss, oh yeah, the Kickstarter campaign has come off, and at the moment, I think we're up to over $4 million, is that right? 
Yeah, I think we're at about 4.5 million. Which would allow them to, yeah, four, well, no, today they are at 4.9 million, oh. 520% funded with 23 days to go. The, the pace is kind of slowing down, though, isn't it? Because wasn't it at 4 million a week ago? It was at 4 million on the 12th, so seven days ago. Okay, yeah. So it's it's cooling its jets as more and more skeptics come out. Well, and for those that don't know, the Kool-Aid-inspired um, box is to be an Android-based console that connects to your TV that is supposedly very open for developers and hackers and this type of stuff and should have some Google-S-type store to buy apps, I'm assuming. Um, and that's pretty much... Would anybody else have any any other details on exactly what it is? Well, one thing that's cool about it that's way different um, that has uh, Notch from Minecraft um, excited about it is the um, fact that this company is promising that every box sold will include a software development kit at no extra cost. And the console and the controller is going to be made with, you know, standard parts that are easily pulled apart, taken, you know, take, uh, you know, kind of reverse engineered, modified. So it's going to be very hackable. Um, and it's also going to come with all the keys to the kingdom to develop apps for itself and have that, you know, app store kind of centric feel that we've all come to know and love or most of us have. So, I mean, those are like, you know... Pretty cool things. I, I'm not sure what a developer version for Xbox or PlayStation costs these days. You know, the, the full edition. I, I imagine there's a pretty big barrier to entry for some developers based on that cost. You know, like the your, your basic, you know, bedroom kind of hacker kid. But if you could just convince your folks to buy you one of these puppies... And you had the time and the you know the wherewithal to get it going. You could start to develop applications for it pretty quickly. And at, you know a price point of a hundred bucks that that's pretty pretty awesome. And apparently all the games are supposed to be free to play on the system. Yeah, they'll probably have some other way of monetization. Yeah, so. microtransactions or purchase extra levels expansions. In-app purchases, my very least favorite thing of all time, but it's still a model. Apparently, the horsepower of this machine is supposed to be similar to the upcoming Google tablet that I forgot to mention earlier. Oh, nice. Well, and that's my kind of main concern, I guess, is what is its what is its competing what is its competing product? What is it trying? What market is it trying to fulfill? And it basically is going up against, I wouldn't argue that it's going up against the PlayStation and the Xbox and the Nintendos of the world. It's not. It's going up against, the problem is, is that the one thing, the one thing that makes the marketplace and the Apple store and the Android store right now for gaming is their mobile. You can take them anywhere. You can connect to anything all the time. You're not tethered to your room. Right, I I I'm just I think it will be it will be a good thing from an innovation standpoint. It will 
you know, advance consumer electronics in a certain way. You know, it'll bring new ideas into the marketplace. I don't think it'll be commercially successful. Well, what's to stop you, you know, Apple's next phone or the Google tablet saying, hey, and here, you can just transmit stuff on your phone directly to your TV screen. Or you your TV comes control. built in with a, you know, with an Android-based platform. I mean, we're not talking like a, you know, it doesn't have to have too much heavy horsepower, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it does, it could really extend the whole set-top box experience with, being able to, you know, interface with, um, you know, if they come up with a Netflix app for it or the ability to interface with, like, your media library. Well, um, that becomes the issue is, does it have its own storage? Probably not much. Not at $100. No, it doesn't have much at all. So you're going to have to have some other something for, you know, downloadable content. and, And, I mean, that's... You know how how large a games are we talking? How many games well, am I going to be able to have? If I mean it's, you know the I mean the whole thing is, you know it's it's not going to be like you're buying games retail for this thing. You're you're going to have to you know you're going to be purchasing connected games. What they'll probably do is just give it some USB ports or something. I haven't checked to see if that's true or pure conjecture, but um, well, it has an eight gig onboard flash. Not too huge, um, but if you could just plug in a, like a USB 500 gig external hard drive, well, then you're in business. Yes, but then you also say, well, it's not actually $100. No, that's true. But, you know, it, uh, well, other interesting thing is you can root the thing and not void the warranty, which I bet you as they get closer to launch, they will change that, but <laughs> it's still kind of a cool cool idea because if they make applications that do have the if they ever get to the point where the application apps for it are to, you know are payable um or you know can be charging a fee and people can root these things then they'll just download all of the in-app content you know illegally for it and no one will ever get any money which is what's happening with the ios devices and and uh, androids anyway well and the uh you know, the GameSpot article recently written by John Davison had a few pretty key points. The, you know, the one about Android market fragmentation in, in general is pretty strong. But also just the whole, you know, this is the Kickstarter campaign, and there is a lot of innovation going on right now. And I mean, we're, we're getting into the real competitive level you know that now there are there's enough product out there the the OSs are mature we're fixing to have windows 8 which you know like or hate microsoft they'll throw enough money at it that this will be a successful operating system especially with it tied in with its with their you know pc installation oh, yeah. base so there it's going to work now whether yeah. it takes off in the mobile market or not that's another discussion but it's going to be there so you basically have three giants in the industry to fight against and it's it's not going to be tied to the standard Google Android market it's going to have its own separate mini market or whatever you want to call it so it's not going to be exactly with Android so you know how how is all that going to work and who you know 
are developers going to get on board or is this going to be this whole indie scene and you know where you know people expound and some great things come out of the indie market and a lot of crap comes from people too that don't know <laughs> what they're doing yeah yeah i i've complained a lot about the state of you know mobile gaming at times some games are really great and awesome like you know, anything, any of the PopCap games that have been ported over, you know, awesome. Angry Birds with all its physics and stuff. But some, you know, they're not all equal, that's for certain. Amen, brother. <laughs> Noah, what's your take? I like the idea, but I, I just don't see it succeeding. I feel like it will, it would be very easy for either the major console manufacturers or even phone and tablet makers to respond quickly to this within a year and with more powerful hardware. Well, and I mean, there's not much to stop you now from going interface from my tablet to a television. Yeah. For 20 bucks, I can do that with my iPad. The difference being that you don't have a controller, potentially, well, to play those games with, versus the well, tablet. Well, I mean, technically, I use the tablet as my controller and the gaming yeah. console. And, yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, the connect. I mean, basically, it is a it's a tablet level appliance that's not a tablet that will be outpaced technologically fairly quickly once released. Um, I just it's interesting because I think it'll it'll drive innovation but I don't think it'll be a commercial success now that doesn't say it won't be a success you know based on another standard it doesn't have to be I mean technically you know they were talking about a 5,000 unit run to start with so really were they even trying to make it a commercial success or is this just an innovation platform maybe they just want to be bought out by somebody Mm. That's a good yeah. point. I mean, couple couple key technologies. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I don't I don't even see where it's not doing. I mean, it's not doing anything that the the marketplace in Xbox Live or you know even Sony stuff hasn't already done, and it won't be as done as well because it'll be it'll be a Wild West type deployment so you'll have some this doesn't exactly work the way it's supposed to like the you know the very pristine japanese gardens that you have in in the place you know playstation and the xbox so mm-hmm. something else there, that you I know, thought those, that's one thing that you're getting on you know with the xbox is well if i download a game on the xbox it, from xbox live it's going to work it may not be fun it may not be what i was hoping but you know it's been vetted where who knows what this thing's going? You know, right? Am I? Yeah. Am all? Are all eighty-four thousand of them going to be a slave node network <laughs> within two months? <laughs> right. Oh darn! I am now my own honeypot. Oh well. Yeah. I downloaded this and I've <laughs> I've hacked everything. Oh okay. Well, I mean they're making it an open hackable platform. It's 84,000 units that can hit the web. Just saying. 
Yeah. Good point. Good point. Over on Joystick, there was a series of... The the folks at Joystick collected a series of opinions about Ouya from the actual... from some notable indie developers that this game console is apparently designed to celebrate and promote. And what I found interesting in reading through all these quotes, whether it was from Mr. Minecraft, Marcus Pearson, or somebody, one of the guys behind Auditorium, and then even less lesser-known stuff like Spy Party, Retro City Rampage, the overall vibe was skepticism. And it'd be nice if this would work, but implicitly they don't think that it will. And yet this, these are supposed to be really the target market, the target developers for the system. And a majority of them are like, well, it'd be nice. This, this could be disruptive. It could be cool. But none of them seem to be wholeheartedly saying, yeah, this, the code has been cracked. This is going to be really helpful for all of us. Unfortunately, I mean, the code is cracked out of the box. And you give people tools to mess with you, they're going to mess with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I hope it. I hope it drives innovation. I think it. I think it has the potential to. But overall, I'm cool as well. Well, listeners, if you have any opinions on this as well, since I'm rounding us up, I'm guessing Mark, you have any other comments? No, I'm sorry. I, oh. I, I muted myself because I, I was I was moving stuff around and I didn't want to make a bunch of noise. But um, no, Steam I think did you just buy? Did I? No, I have not bought anything on Steam since we started the podcast. But I did buy one thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I bought, so I win this, this round. Um, <laughs> well, listeners, if you have any opinion on Ouya or something else for our roundtable discussion, email us at. Mail. No, come on. I've been like spot on all night with Mark. You ah, kill him. Anyway. <laughs> no, you guys are like saying it individually. I was deliberately waiting to see when Mark was going to start so I could say it. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> if you have any opinion on this or any other roundtable discussion, just send us a, drop us a line and let us know. We appreciate it. Guys, thank you. Take the yeah, thank you very much, Scott, for joining us in this episode. It's great. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Love and thank you to the listeners listening to our show. We would love to hear from you on any of the topics we've talked about. And we will be back 